Welcome to the Independent Advisors Podcast, where we dive into the world of stocks, tradable markets, and financial planning with Jessup Wealth Management's Chief Investment Officer, Mark McEvely, and CEO, Matt Jessup. You'll hear tips, tricks, and strategies to address your financial well-being, and most importantly, conveyed in a way that everyone can understand. Here are your hosts, Mark and Matt. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 213 of the Independent Advisors Podcast, where Matt Jessup and I, Mark McEvely, bring you into our world of financial markets and financial planning. So happy Thursday, Matt. How you doing, partner? I'm good. Good. Back. Uh, good to be back in the uh, podcast saddle, so to speak, after uh, being off for a few weeks. Had some uh, things I was doing with the business and some other things that just had a conflict with the time we were recording the podcast. So it's good to be back. I'm sure our regular listeners and viewers are going to love to see your face and voice and hear your voice. Yeah, well, it's uh, I got a lot of good content because I was just stocking away content for for about a month there. So uh, yeah. hopefully, hopefully we'll have some good stuff for people over the next couple of weeks. Love to hear that. Uh, so before we begin, as always, just want to go over the numbers for the month and the year of the major indexes that we track. And these numbers are as of the market close on August 9th. And this data is from Y charts. S&P 500 index down 2.6% for the month and up 16.4% for the year. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 1.2% for the month, up 6% for the year. The NASDAQ Composite Index is down 4.3% for the month and up 31.1% for the year. The Russell 2000 Small Cap Index down 3.6% for the month and up 9.9% for the year. And the Vanguard All World X United States ETF down 3.1% for the month and up 9.2% for the year. Three month Treasury rate sitting at 5.55%, the two year Treasury rate 4.79%, and the 10 year Treasury rate at 4%. So, really, Matt, the first, um, I wouldn't call it major, but uh, first moderate pullback in the NASDAQ tech heavy index that we've seen all year. Yep. Uh, obviously, you know, it's pulled back 4.3% so far year or excuse me, month to date, and it's still up over 30% for the year. Yeah, it was interesting in the uh, podcast several weeks ago, I think it was two weeks ago that you were not on. I did make a verbal comment uh, to all of our listeners and viewers in the podcast that you shared during one of our investment committee meetings in regards to the seasonality of a um, the year that we're in in the presidential election cycle and how August and September usually go. So it seems as if this is playing out at least on a seasonality basis as you had uh, researched and looked into. Yeah, yeah. And I'll have some more info for for listeners on that here in a few minutes. Uh, Moving on to big headlines and current events for the week. Uh, July jobs data came in. So the forecast was a little over 200,000 U.S. non-farm payrolls. The figure came in at slightly lower at plus 187,000. Uh, unemployment rate uh, was at three and a half percent against a consensus consensus estimate um, that the jobless level would hold steady at 3.6 percent. So uh, unemployment rate actually fell by 0.1 percent. Hmm. Um, next, uh, kind of a little update on earnings data from Bespoke, Matt. So um, this was as of August 3rd. So uh, last week. Uh, 316 stocks, according to Bespoke, reported earnings this week. 
73% beat earnings, 64% beat sales, and more companies raised guidance than lowered guidance. But the average one-day change on earnings has been a big drop of negative 1.61%. And they say even stocks that have beaten EPS estimates have averaged a drop of 0.11%. So um, for some people, Matt, this might be a little confusing because it's like, okay, you know, stocks are reporting better than expected. Why isn't the market going higher? Why aren't these stocks moving higher? And again, it all goes back to the fact that the market is forward looking and we've had such a nice run up so far, really year to date without much of any pullback that, you know, I think that was the market saying, hey, earnings are going to be pretty good. And people are you know, essentially just probably profit taking at this point, right? Yeah, um, and that's since, you know, the market was expecting, hey, you know, the stock has run up, you better beat, right? Right. And it's like, it's one of those things, right? Like buy the rumor, sell the news, right? So people are expecting, you know, good news. So they buy it well in advance. And just in general, the pre-earnings optimism, at least in the United States, is pretty strong, regardless of what type of market that we're in. So the the couple of weeks leading up to earnings, uh, companies typically have a little bit of a nice run up, especially the larger companies that make up the S&P 500. So yep. um, really not surprising that even though these companies uh, reported really well, a little bit of a sell off. I agree. Yep. Uh, moving on to tweets, articles and research from this week. Should we still call them tweets or do we have to call them like X's? You know, it's funny. <laughs> uh, Nick and I had this conversation um, uh, on the no, Aaron and I, I'm sorry, had a conversation about this in the podcast. We're calling them X tweets temporarily because we don't X know what tweets. to do. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> um, this was a tweet from Willie Delwich, uh, CMT, CFA. And this was back on August 3rd, and he tweeted a picture of the AAII sentiment survey. And he said that right now, for investor sentiment, there's the fewest amount of bears in two plus years. Wow, so again, that turned just, quickly in six months, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And just like breaking it down simplistically, if you're new to the podcast, you're new to the markets, um, you know, bulls are optimists. Uh, that think the market's going to continue to go up. Bears are pessimists. Pessimists think the market's going to go down, have a lot of worry in their head. Um, so typically when we look at investor sentiment, it's kind of a contrarian indicator. So when there's a lot of bulls, everyone's really positive and hyped up about the market. Typically in the not so distant future, we get some sort of a pullback uh, mm -hmm. and vice versa. When everyone's extremely bearish, they think the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Um, typically we see uh, the markets run to the upside. So right now there's the fewest amount of uh, bears or pessimists that we've seen in two plus years. And again, like what you were saying, this so happens, Matt, to coincide with uh, weak seasonality. And what I mean by that is, you know, in August, in September, in any given year tends to be a little more weak uh, than the average month in the S&P 500. But if you look at it in a pre-election year, which is year three of the presidential cycle, which we're in right now, August and September tend to be even weaker. So this isn't surprising to me that everyone is super optimistic right now because you know we're in the midst of, of a pullback. And I'm actually gonna hop to my third item because this kind of coincides with this. And I know you guys have talked to this uh, point on the podcast when I was out, Matt, but okay. there's a tweet from JC Peretz on uh, July 31st, 
And he says if the S&P 500 is going to take a well-deserved break, this would be a perfectly logical time in the cycle for that to happen. And he shows yep. on the chart, chart of the S&P 500 and the seasonality for pre-election years. So the blue line is pre-election years going back to 1950 through 2019. And the red line shows the actual S&P 500 right now, year to date. And it shows that, you know, for the next couple of months, we could see some sideways chop, a little bit of a pullback. So, again, these culmination of things that we're seeing right now would lead me to believe that the market's in for a little bit of a breather. And that does not mean I don't want people to get that confused with me saying the market's going to sell off 10 to 15 percent. That doesn't have to happen. Could sell off 5 percent, could sell off 10 percent, could just move sideways. But um with all the data that we have, I think a breather or at least market rotation, sector rotation, some of the value oriented areas of the market start to pick up the baton uh, relative to what happened in the first half of the year with these growthy techie names really leading the charge. And this is why you listen to and watch the Independent Advisors podcast. You know, we've been talking about this. You, you've, you've articulated this in plain English for our listeners and viewers, Mark. Great job on that this week. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, last thing I had, Matt, was kind of just an interesting one and want to get your two cents because we've talked about this stuff on the show before. Um, but it was a tweet from Unusual Whales, uh, and this was back on August 2nd. So they track uh, insider trading, so to speak, and especially uh, with uh, Congress people. So they said, Justin, Senator Thomas Carper is shorting the American economy. Thomas oh. Carper bought $30,000 in ticker symbol PSQ, which is an ultra, ultra short QQQ index on July 13th. So again, just to break down a little further, the QQQ index is a NASDAQ 100 ETF, uh, tracks uh, top 100 NASDAQ names. Um, and PSQ is a ultra short uh, NASDAQ index. So when the NASDAQ goes down, PSQ makes money essentially, right? So they're betting on, on tech names, growthy names to, to fall. So they say he hedged slash shorted in the past with great results uh, in eight and ticker symbol HDGE and SH and also PSQ. Wild, a sitting congressman is literally shorting the U.S. What are your How thoughts on this? How unpatriotic is that? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I mean, that is mind-blowing. Yeah, I don't... I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it, because, like, at one side of me is like, hey, it's, you know, kind of like a free market. You can kind of do whatever you want. But if you're working in the government and you're... Representing you know, United States. That's against You're representing the citizens. America. Yeah. I'd be ashamed if I were him. Personally, yeah. I think yeah. I think it's it is shameful. Yeah. I um it's interesting. Yeah. I have I have I have no idea. It's uh it, it to me it's kind of mind boggling that with as much regulation that we've had in this country, especially with the financial markets over the past decade, that this is still something that is hanging out there, but I guess it's also not super surprising because the people regulating would be regulating themselves essentially. And who wants that? Yep. <laughs> so uh, I will turn it over to you. All right. So my first piece this week for listeners and viewers is my topic is why you should stay invested in the market over the long term and why it's important. 
This is a tweet by Seth Goldenmark on August 2nd. And this is um, what he said. And this is a, a piece from SoFi that he is um, that he's showing. And I'll quote, if you invest $1,000 into the S&P 500 index 25 years ago, you'd have $4,927 today, a 393% return. If you sold out after a pullback and waited a week to get back in, those gains would have been cut by 60% um, into two, uh, to $2,138. Quote, I can't. I can top, I can time a top and rebuy lower. No, you really can't. So Jenna will put up this chart for our YouTube viewers. This will be in our show notes and all of our social media sites, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, et cetera. What it shows, Mark, again from SoFi, over the past 25 years, the effect of exiting the market the day after a 2% sell-off for the market move or worse and staying out each of the time periods shown below in the chart. And again, this is based upon initial investment of $1,000 using the S&P 500 returns before transaction cost. And when you look at these numbers, it's actually putting some figures behind why staying invested in the market over the long term is important. Take a peek at this, Mark. What's your thoughts on this? No, it's not... Um... <clears throat> You know, it's not surprising to to see this. Uh, it's interesting data, but um, you know, the longer goes, you stayed out, the lower your returns were. Yeah, and that's you know what the the interesting part about this is is that you know, I spe especially in a day like today, Matt, where you know you have the news at your fin fingertips, your phone is pretty much an extension of the human body, and you can get any piece of information you want within seconds that influences people to make emotional based decisions pretty quickly um whereas you know maybe 20 or 30 years ago it would be a slower process because people would read things in the newspaper or they'd see things on the evening news at eight o'clock and there was uh a larger barrier there was more friction to being able to make trades in your portfolio you had to call your broker you couldn't just hop online really quick or on yep. your phone and place a trade um so i think this information is more important now than ever just because you can get any piece of information in the snap of a finger and act on it in the same uh speed correct yeah it's like yep. it's gamified investing is gamified now yep all right, here's my next piece. Um, last week on the podcast, uh, Mark, I talked about a uh, Goldman Sachs piece of research that was forecasting no U.S. recession. One week later, J.P. Morgan's now on board with this. So I just wanted to kind of share this. This won't take long. Um, JP's, uh, J.P.'s title of the research piece is U.S. The end is not near. Um, but what they say is, and I'll summarize, quote with uh, – Q3 2023 growth looking solid, we are no longer anticipating a recession in this calendar year. Recession risks are elevated next year, but we look for modest subpar growth. If inflation doesn't continue to ease, more Fed hikes and rising odds of a downturn will come back. Well, what happened this morning? Inflation data came in. And what happened? Came in softer than expected. If a year ago, we, we talked about this in the podcast a year ago. 
but most people were not expecting sub 4% inflation. It came in at 3.2 or 3.3% year over year this morning. And it's just interesting how you're now starting to see the pullback of, you know, it was almost virtually talked in the marketplace that a recession was going to happen the second half of this year. And you're seeing the resiliency of corporate earnings, the resiliency of the American economy, and now everyone's stepping back from these recession calls. Um, just want to throw it out there. Any comments you'd like to share, Mark? No, um, I just think, you know, going back to our conversation with Ryan Dietrich, I mean, them and Carson have been in the camp all year that we're not going to get a recession. And that was definitely against consensus, right? Yep. Um, yep. So I, you know, I just want to throw it out there that, you know, anyone can be right about the economy. Anyone can be wrong about the economy, but more often people are wrong about the economy. And look, like JP Morgan is a massive American institution, right? And there's yep. some of the brightest minds in this country that probably work for JP Morgan, right? And now they're changing their tune, which I actually give them credit for because most of the people in our industry, they say what they think and there's no deviating. They will defend that and die on that hill that yep. I still think a recession's coming. I don't think a recession's coming. The market's going to fall by 20%. We're going to be in a bull market for the next two years. So I actually give them credit for changing their tune because I think that's something that you have to be open to in our industry is you have to be open to the fact that, okay, you might be wrong. What am I going to do to correct that? What's the new data that they have that I have uh, at my disposal? And then I make a, a, a new forecast or I make a new uh, opinion, form a new opinion on something. Right. Yep. So, um, yeah, most people wouldn't do what JP Morgan did. So I actually give them credit for that. Well said. Well, uh, my last piece this week is from Ryan Dietrich. And, um, you know, the topic of this for me is this. We had a large one-day drop last week. It was on August 2nd, Mark. What does history say about this? So this was what Ryan said. First 1% decline after more than two months without one for the S&P 500. Just happened today. How much should we worry? Doesn't look like you should worry much. Since 1980, one year later, higher 26 out of 27 times and up on average 14.8%. Um, you know, I have to put throughout the uh, uh, compliance disclaimer, you know, past performance is not indicative of future results. We are looking at historical data, but by no means is this indicating that the market's going to be higher one year from now. But it is nice to look at history, in my opinion. So Jenna's going to put up this chart for our YouTube viewers. Uh, this will be in our show notes. I'd recommend our traditional podcast listeners to go to our social media site to take a peek at it. Again, what are you going to see here, Mark? You're going to see... 27 data points going back to 1985. And we've been in a low volatility environment now for several months. And with this small rise so far in volatility, it might make people think, oh, this is it. You know, the market's going to be turning down. But when you look at this, the average return six months later in these 27 data sets is about six and a half percent, a little bit better than that. And 12 months later, a little bit shy of 15 percent higher for the S&P. So I just found it interesting. I wanted to share that because you talked about seasonality earlier in the podcast. You know, it wouldn't surprise me as well to see, you know, sideways chop down to what magnitude you and I both don't know. 
But I do think that as the year goes on, I do think the investment environment overall, when I look out six months, 12 months, is still friendly waters. But you have to continue to invest for your risk tolerance, your goals, and objectives. This is a market that you want to have time in, not try to time it. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think, you know, we're almost getting back to that point, Matt, that familiar point where people are going to start to be nervous to put money to work because we're getting closer to all-time highs and the market's already ran almost 20% this year and how can it go higher? And they start to play that game. Whereas, you know, a year ago, if we were having this conversation, it was the market's going to keep going down. So it's like the goalposts are always moving and we're getting to that point now where people are going to be nervous to put money to work because they think that we're due for another bear market. So well, here's the other side of it. If you're an individual that's under allocated to risk assets, i.e. equities, guess what? You're starting to get some better pitches right now. OK, and it wouldn't surprise me if the pitches got a little bit better as August goes on. And so the question is, are you going to take some swings or not? And that's just what I'll leave it at that at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not you know, I actually think that if we didn't get a little bit of an increase in volatility right now and we didn't see some weakness in some of the areas that have been performing really well this year, that would be more concerning to make my ears perk up than if we you know, did get the weakness like we're seeing. Right. Because yep. it's earning season. Volatility is typically a little higher around mm-hmm. earnings season. We talked about seasonality and where we are in the presidential cycle. So if those things weren't happening, my ears would be up and being like, OK, what? what's going on here because then the market's not thing as I would expect or people would expect. Yeah, I think um, the mesh between your your your, your sentiment uh, chart as well as uh, the seasonality uh, was great today. And my last comment for our viewers and listeners is I want you to think about sentiment to positioning, positioning a portfolio. And again, for our newer listeners, you know, when people are very bullish, when I say positioning, their portfolio tends to reflect that stance or that position, which mm-hmm. is why for our newer listeners and viewers, when people are really pessimistic about the market, they tend to be underinvested to risk assets, right? Which is why we pay so much attention to that data. Right. And I'm, while you're talking, man, I'm just pulling up, uh, another sentiment chart yeah please because i want to see well as you do that i'll just share this with our listeners and viewers you can google aaii it's the american association of individual investors and you guys and gals can go onto that website and get all that historical data uh it's one of the most widely utilized sentiment indexes uh in our industry and they publish that data for free on their site so i want to encourage you that if uh, you have an interest on this topic, it's a good resource to start at. Turn it back over to you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm trying to find one here on stock charts, Matt, that shows uh, how much equity exposure active investment managers have right now. Here we go. National Association of Active Investment Managers Index. This is a good one. This is a good one. So, uh, So this was as of last week. Um, the national average active investment managers exposure index, uh, was about 80 to 85%. It looks like Matt, but the week before it was up over a hundred percent. So what does that mean? People were a hundred percent exposed to the equity markets with leverage, 
right? That's what that means. Anything over 100 is people are gung-ho, bull, all in. We're using leverage. We're borrowing money to get higher returns. And now it's kind of dropped back to the 80 level, which is fine. But anything really over 70 makes me think, hey, you know, where are we at in the cycle? What is sentiment like? What is the market doing? Are we due for a pullback? Are we a little extended here? Because we've now spent since the beginning of June, uh, active investment managers have had over a 70% exposure to equities. So just throwing that out there as well, that it might be time to see that pull back a little bit uh, again when we're talking about sentiment. Another good indicator. I like that. All right. Well, anything else, Matt, before we leave it there for this morning? No, we're going to skip the uh, financial planning topic of the week. Um, We're going to be blessed later in August. uh, I'm going to have um, Taylor on as our our co-host. And so we're going to have a little bit more of a financial planning um, heavy uh, portion later in the month of August, which I'm very much looking forward to. Um, Besides that, we're in the tail end of earnings season. So um, you're going to, I see, I think, see the the news cycle and individual names uh, start to come back down as we we move past earnings season. Yeah, great. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning in to episode 213. I hope you all have a great rest of the week and a great weekend, and we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Independent Advisors podcast. If you're interested in hearing more, hit the subscribe button so you can be notified every time a new episode gets released. Feel free to share with friends, family, and follow us on Twitter at Jessup Wealth, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Mark and Matt will continue to share beneficial information on these social media sites. Also, check out the podcast tab on their website. That's www.jessupwealthmanagement.com. There you'll find links to every episode of the Independent Advisors. Have questions or topics you want to discuss on the show? Message us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or send an email with the words questions and topics in the subject line to inquiries at jessupwealthmanagement.com. We'll talk about it right here on the podcast. Certain sections of this commentary may contain forward-looking statements based on reasonable expectations, estimates, projections, and assumptions. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of future performance and involve certain risks and uncertainties, which are difficult to predict. All indices are unmanaged and are not available for direct investment by the public. Past performance is not indicative of future results. This podcast is provided for general informational purposes only and does not constitute either tax, legal, or financial advice. Although we do go to great lengths to make sure our information is accurate and useful, we recommend you consult a tax preparer, professional tax advisor, financial advisor, or lawyer regarding your specific circumstances. Investing involves risk, including the loss of principal. No strategy can guarantee any objective or goal will be achieved.